All of our files are free and will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. And welcome back to part two of the Elemental Show we have with you today with our guest, Timothy Hogan, who's become a regular by now. <laughs> Third time, it's a, good, it's, a, it's a good show to be a regular on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're one of the pioneers. Yeah, right. Because what I love it today is that you have a good mic. And remember the Templar show we did? Oh, yeah. It was horrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. It sounded like you were abducted in some kind of uh, oil tanker at the bottom um, oh. of an oil tanker. <laughs> so. That's awful. Yeah, I got I got a nice uh, digital uh, mic that uh, works good now. So. Yeah, and the Noises show didn't have too good of a sound either, but that's not your fault because that we were amateurs back then. I had a bad mic and we didn't know how to clean up the sound or anything. So this is the first show with you that... I think will be a decent listening on the air. That's great. And air, of course, the fifth element. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. We can't, we can't take that uh, too lightly. We'll get back to the fifth element later. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what's good here is that because we agree about the bottom line, um, you talk about your book and, and the contents, and I, from the sideline, corroborate with aspects that's probably not mentioned in the book that just add to the interview, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fully in, in line with your stuff anyway. So... Yeah. Now... I wanna I wanna help them understand the nature of the elements because the beautiful thing with the elements is that you don't really have to read a lot of books to understand them if you can recognize the principles and I believe everyone can why because it's a part of us like we've given example of it is yeah it from is. our bodies to our mind and it's a part of uh, the structures around us and so everybody has uh, an innate potential. That's right. To realize it. That's exactly right. And I think also whatever you're working with out there, you should take on the element as a basic thing. You, for example, get him with his book because it's it's going to be relevant in most approaches to anything, uh, not just philosophical, even practical. Yeah, that's right. It, and I think it, it helps you to, to understand uh, the symbolism that's being utilized in sacred texts from around the world because they all use the same language related to the elements. I mean, when, uh, for example, when uh, I for example, I, the, the easiest example is the New Testament with ideas of uh, Jesus walking on water, with this miracle of walking on water. And if you understand what the water represents, which is uh, really this the idea symbolically relates to how do we stand on our emotions. Uh, he's, you know, it's it, the, this miracle, quote unquote miracle is more some symbolism saying, uh, how do you, how do you stand on your emotions and use them as a, as something to lift you up as opposed to drowning in them, you know, mm -hmm. or uh, him, him calming the tempests and uh, 
the where it was said uh, Jesus said uh, those who came before baptized with water and air I've come to baptize with fire. That's right. You know, That's right. if you understand these things, what they mean, it it, it, it takes on a much deeper deeper meaning so yeah it's like a key to decode much of of the poetic and metaphorical stuff out there that's right and, and you you've given two beautiful examples now one from egypt and one from the bible yeah and it's in all it's in all texts i mean the the buddhist texts you find the same same elements being used it's, it's you find it in the ancient greek traditions and the mythology and uh yeah i'll give a better example there you have the quadrivium the quadrivium and the trivium uh, are the ancient ways of teaching it's superior to anything i don't know why we're not practic practicing it in school anymore but there you have uh, uh you have uh, the seven, seven liberal arts and science. Yeah, the, the, together. Yeah. But there you have the astronomy, the moving. You have the static, which is geometry. You have relative, which is music, and you have absolute, which is arithmetic. But I'll, I'll divide it like this. Uh, this is from the Pythagorean Mystery School. You have mathema, as in the word mathematics. Mathematics, uh, which is general uh, number science, which you could call quintessence. Then you have arithmos techna, which is number in itself. I would say put that as fire, because it's causal. Then you have musicos, or you could say therapeia or harmonia, which is numbers in time, which I would say is water. Then you have geometria, right. yep. measuring of earth. Right. Yep. Now that, that's number in space. And then you have astron, nomos, which is number in time and space, obviously air. So uh, that's one example. Um, oh, and of course, you know, Plato is known for, for something that I was amazed to see that science, uh, physics, have this quantum physics, I discovered that the smallest layer of matter there they find structures which are identical to the so-called um, atomic uh, solids exactly could yep. you give us a briefing on their elements yeah sure so you know plato he he divided the he said that all creation was made up of uh, the four these four elements but they had geometric form and so earth was associated with the hexa a uh, hexahedron, which is like a like a cube. Mm. Um, the uh, water was represented by the icosahedron, which uh, is basically made up of a bunch of triangles to to form uh, this shape. And then uh, air was associated with the octahedron, which is uh, you know an eight sided uh, object. And, and number eight in the tetractus is also air, by the way. Yeah, yep, that's right. And then, and then fire, which is the, uh, um, it's associated with the tetrahedron, which was the four-sided uh, object of composed of four triangles coming together, uh, making it. That's twelve, all in all. So there's well, it's four. Four times three, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, correct. It's it's so so it's three 
That was four triangles, four equilateral triangles, which create four points and six edges. Mm. Uh, And 12 is also the complete uh, system of vibrations. That's right. Yeah, each... You know, each triangle is 60 degrees, which is 180 degrees per triangle, mm. multiplied by four, that gives you 720 degrees for the solid itself. So there was, you know, there was a mathematics that he um, incorporated for... Each- hey, you, you forgot one. The dodecahedron. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, which would be which would be fire. No, no, uh, you said fire. That's tetrahedron. Uh, it would be the fifth element. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. I meant the the quintessence, yeah, the ether, right? Basically. Quintessence, yeah. And and it's interesting too that like they found Neolithic carvings of these Platonic forms mm-hmm. um, going back way, 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 way back into the Stone Age, and yet. Uh, Wow. You know, Plato continued to pass on these these ideas, but, uh, you know, of course, Plato was really studying it within the Pythagorean schools. I mean, these were, these were ideas that Pythagoras were... Plus, he went to Egypt. Yeah, of course, yeah. And, and you, find, you find these ideas uh, incorporated within the, the geometry of the Egyptian temple... Reliefs and architecture and uh, Schwaller de Lubitz. Great, great it's author. That, but yeah. yeah, really good stuff. So Yeah, and <clears throat> you mentioned uh, the Greeks. Obviously, we also have in basic geometry, right? We have point, line, plane, and solid. Correct. Which corresponds, obviously, to the also to the platonic solids. I mean, everything is built by this. And, of course, people point this fire and you go down the list and we end up with solid as earth. Now, I think I think we should help them understand the principles of each of these <laughs> principles. Uh, and in alchemy, they have a very, very good explanations for it. Could you uh, help us with uh, that? The, 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 like the, the principles for the... I'm yeah, sorry. for the qualities of each element. Well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, some of that really um, goes back to uh, Aristotle, but, you know, it basically said that if you combine the elements, you can get different natures. So, like, uh, if you combine fire and earth, for example, you, you get dry conditions. Mm-hmm. If you combine earth and water, you get cold conditions if you combine water and air you get wet conditions Mm. and if you combine fire and air you get hot conditions Mm. so uh, just as these these uh, natures manifest through the combination of these elements you can also use the opposite to to uh, balance things out. So just as, uh, you know, so fire and air gives hot conditions. If you want to, if you want to make things cooler, then you have to use earth and water, right? I mean, mm, mm. So they're the opposites or, or, uh, 
or masculine and feminine. You can also manipulate yeah. by, by that, right. by the polarity. That's right. That's right. That's right. So if, if you put them up in a square, you could kind of say that the diagonal, you, know, you could put these four qualities you mentioned in the diagonals. And then you get interesting thing that fire relates to hot and dry. Correct. Yeah. Air to hot and wet, water to cold and wet, yep. and earth to cold and dry. And that, people, is a clue to understanding them. Because if we say that hot and dry equals plus, uh, and uh, cold and wet equals minus, then you'll see that fire is double plus, water is double minus, which is logical because they are two sides of the same coin yeah uh, that's that's the you could say that's the vertical line in the rota and then you have the horizontal which would be air earth which uh, air would then be one plus and one minus and earth one minus and one plus and that also fits because you know the air and the earth they try to combine to they create basically space and fire and water more time and so you see that air has to have a mediating uh, component, you know, to touch base with earth. Yeah. And earth have to ha hide a plus in itself, just as uh, air has to hide a minus in itself. So, whereas fire and water are more extremes. Yeah, that's right. Very masculine, very feminine. We see in air and earth, although they are masculine and feminine uh, each, they also hide this other, I guess you, we could use Jung's terminology, uh, you know, they hide uh, anima and an animus, <laughs> an inner masculine and an inner feminine. That's right. That's right. Yeah, one of the other, one of the other things, you know, we haven't talked about, of course, is the, the symbols themselves uh, traditionally for these elements. And, mm. you know, the... Traditionally, one of the symbols for Earth was a was a downward facing triangle. So the point is facing downwards mm -hmm. with a line through it. And uh, the symbol for water was just the downward facing triangle. Mm -hmm. A symbol for air was a upward facing triangle with a line through it, and the symbol for fire was just an upward facing triangle. Um, so it so it points. They're almost like arrows pointing to the uh, where where these elements reside in nature. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is if you combine all of these four symbols together, uh, you get what's traditionally known as uh, the Solomon Seal or the Shield of David, uh, the Six Pointed Star. Right. Mm -hmm. And we all know that God created uh, the world in six days. That's like uh, the above connecting with the below. It's the completion. That's right. Yeah, That's perfection. Exactly. Yep. And it, so it's, you know, you have the as above, so below there, but with, yeah, yeah. The, with the four elements combined. You know? Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I think also we should mention that um, we have, um, you know, in theosophy, we have the concept of the four bodies, right? Then we have the causal body, which is obviously the fire. We have the mental body, air, feeling body, water, and the biological body, which would be right. earth. But I think, I think a, uh, an easier way for people to understand these four 
this thoughtfulness is to use a very modern contemporary i i suggest this uh, i i won't say like it's it's uh, waterproof <laughs> <laughs> but consider this what if the keyboard and the screen has to do with fire because it's the it's the tool for the will right it's a user uh, the user uh, gets uh, an impression and then it expresses. And then you have the software, which is the informative contents, air. Yeah. Then you have the electricity, this, which is um, igniting the machine, uh, the computer, which would be water, you know, like life force. And then you have the hardware, which would be the physio-electronical components, earth. Do you think that that fits? Yeah, I think, as a metaphor? I think it definitely fits. And and that and you know that also reminds me of uh, something related to sacred architecture in terms of how a lot of temples are built. Uh, what what are the things that, uh, for, for example, you'll find if you go into the a cathedral, like the cathedrals of Notre Dame, they're, they're set up like a human body. So, right when you go in the the baptismal font is at the area of what would be like the belly button. And, of course, that's where the water elements are, right? And that's where they do the baptism by water. And then the choir is at the area of the lungs, right? This is where, mm-hmm. this is where uh, of course, you take the big breaths and you, and you sing out, you know, which requires air. And uh, the, the priest speaks from the area of the heart, and then the sacrament is kept at the area of the head of the church. And that's also where they have all the candles. Mm. So that's where they have all the candles lit for fire and to, to, to light up and to celebrate where the, where the sacraments kept for the Eucharist, you know? And so it's, uh, and then as you leave the, of course, as you leave the ch- the church, you go through the arch, which is the birth canal. You know, so you're being mm-hmm. bo- you're being born from uh, uh, Our Lady, right? As the Christos, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but but the point is that that the church itself was set up mirroring the mirroring the human body and incorporating these elemental aspects to it as, as don't you, you think don't you think they got uh, the builders the templars uh, or the original masons well i said the templars because they were the architects even if the masons were the builders yes. don't you think they they got it this from egypt because yes. shwala de lubich has Same, yeah, proven yeah. that th- those temples were also a template of the body absolutely yeah i think i think it's the same i think it's the same the thing and by the way, you know, from a uh, even within uh, like the Islamic tradition, if you go to if you go to a mosque, you know, you leave the outside world, which represents earth, and you enter mm-hmm. into a usually a courtyard or a or a uh, an area where you do ritual lustration of of washing your your hands and your face and your feet with water, right? So there's the water stage. And then you move into the mosque from there and uh, you you have the area where you do the um, 
your actual prayers where you do uh, your your calling out to prayer and you there's lots of that's a word right prostrations and everything like that mm-hmm. there's lots of there's lots of getting the body moving and 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 getting the breath going for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you're, of course, you're praying towards Mecca, uh, where they, they usually have in the direction of Mecca at the front of the mosque. That's where they have the, the oil lamps or they have uh, you know, some sort of light mm-hmm. that represents the direction you're praying. But it's, it's, the, it's the fire. It's there. So... So it's the same thing. You're going from earth to then the area where you wash yourself, which is water, to the area where you're calling out the prayer, and you're, you're going through these deep breathing exercises as you're as you're doing the the prostrating yourself on the ground and such, and uh, and then but you're but you're praying towards the fire. So it, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and in old tradition, they they not only do they have some kind of fire as a symbol of the one, you know, we said fire is one, but they often direct it towards east, which also, yes. if you go back to the directions, is a symbol of fire. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And 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 by the way, we could also say that if you take the seasons, you could say that you have. Uh, you know, fire, uh, spring, air, summer, water, autumn, earth, winter, okay, and child, youth, maturity, old age. But then what about the fifth element? And we're going to get soon to the fifth element. But I would say ether is death, which is the liminal phase, liminal time. Yeah. So we have room even in time, in season, and in life stage for that uh, face and you can also say like, it's connected to the now if you divide like the day into the four then you could also say the fifth element actually let's take that now because the fifth element uh, there's a confusion there because people don't understand that the fifth uh, there's actually kind of two fifth elements or two stages of the fifth element first you have the fifth element as archer as an archetype oh. as the seed before number one like if you have if number one is a circle with a dot in it then just a circle god sleeping before awakening is like kind of a fifth element in a way but that's the that's the seed that's in the before stage and then we get back to it after we have balanced the four elements which is very important in all systems operating with the elements to find the perfect balance it's like the cross right how can you get the rose to blossom you need uh, the cross to be the rota to be firm yeah, that's right. and balanced and then harmony then the seed becomes the flower so you have you have the fifth element as a end stage and as a beginning stage yeah. yes comment yes you know the, the idea was if, if we look at it from a from a uh, quantum physics standpoint I mean it's the ether or the quintessence is like the quantum field that the Mm. That the other elements manifest out of. Good point. It, it, it's like the um, so so. It's it's what they come from, and it's what they return to. 
Right, right. And, uh, it's it's the ultimate source of mind. It's and it's the you know, it's the source of soul. It's the the it's, it's almost like the sea that the elements precipitate out of, if you will. Mm. And uh, so all these four elements were they almost like condense out of ether, and then they return to the ether, the quintessence. And by the way, it was called quintessence because. Uh, it just quint just meant fifth, right? Right. The, the, so it was the fifth essence or the fifth element is quintessence. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, yeah, the, or ether was the another name for it, or akasha was the no, in, in, in the east. The, the, yeah, the Sanskrit name for do, it. Do you know what akasha means etymologically? Uh, I read it, but I forgot it. Yeah, I I, I can't remember to be honest. I, I, I mean, I, I know the Sanskrit was it. It was. Uh, I think it just meant. Yeah, I, I mean. Well, I, I can tell you what ether means originally in ancient Greek, because that's a clue, and that means divine fire. Yeah, divine fire. That's correct. Yeah, not the vulgar fire. And and you can see how the fifth element operates compared to the four. Let's take the moon phases. You have the first, the second, the third, and the fourth moon phase, right? Yeah. Then you have the eclipse as a symbol of the fifth. If you have child, youth, maturity, elder, then you have death. If you have spring, summer, autumn, winter, then you have the pole. Yes. So so it's always this. Uh, yeah, that's why I suggested the now, the eternal now. It's like the, yeah, it's the essence, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the, I, I think the word akasha, I mean, it would be equivalent to what we would associate with spirit or, right. you know, something of that nature. It's, yeah, it's, uh, terminology is hard. The Greeks said soma was the body. They said Pneuma was the life force. They said Psyche was the consciousness and Nous, the spirit or the soul, probably better to say the the identity. So there will be different terminology, but I think a clue is to go past the terminology and identify the the principles again. Like, for example, I, I mentioned the Pythagoreans. Okay, let's take mathematics. We have, again, this fourfoldness there. I mentioned double plus and double minus. Well, the minus is the feminine principle because it collects, it reduces, it tries to center. The feminine principle is about going back to the one. You know, man stretching up like in Michelangelo's picture. Uh, The left pointing finger is man stretching up to God. And the right pointing finger is God coming down to man. So that's the masculine principle. That's going from the center to the... Oh, I think that's really good. Uh, horizon and you see that yeah. in the symbols of Mars and Venus which are symbols of male and female Mars is a circle with a arrow going out of it yeah so it it suggests the masculine principle tries to explode borders it's centrifugal and it tries to push limits so it's going outwards out in the world conquer the world right yep. if you look at venus it's a cross and a circle if you put the cross into the circle where it really should be yeah, got <laughs> then it. you see it's seeking center seeking harmony seeking going back to to the uh, roots or to the uh, balance and 
In mathematics, you have the same thing. I said uh, in part one, I said for the four suits of the ordinary cards, I said if I give you one, you can deduct the rest. Same here. If I say that multiplication is fire, because multiplication is masculine, because it's trying to create more of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's going out from the center and out uh, in the world. Then you know the opposite of multiplication is obviously... Uh, the division. Division, right. Right? And yeah. that has to be water, because that's the opposite of fire. So division tries to come back to as little as possible, back to the one. Not one to the many, but from the many to the one. Yeah, I understand. Then they said that addition is air. It's another way of uh, multiplying or, or making more of stuff. But this time you add. Right. Uh, and that fits air too, which is very analytical. It it kind of goes in and it it uh, analyzes stuff. That means it regards more and more stuff. Yeah. So uh, the opposite of air is obviously earth, which is subtraction. And there you have, right? So you you see the the parallels. Uh, yeah, Multiplication, addition have something in common. They're creating more. Yeah. Division, subtraction has also something feminine in common. They create less. Yeah. And so there you have more clues to understand the four qualities behind the elements. Yeah, I agree. No, it's very good. I think it's, well, and, uh, you know, from a, it was interesting in both the Eastern and the Western systems, there's this idea that the, the, the root of all this, the, the, the ether, or what mm. the, in the Eastern traditions they call the Akasha. Yeah. Uh, contains within it a consciousness itself. I mean, it is the, the essence of consciousness itself. And it, this consciousness gives birth to these states of identification, which are uh, associated with the elements. So, mm. so uh, but the consciousness exists first. It's, it's not like the consciousness is coming out of the elements but rather the elements are coming out of the consciousness. Mm, important uh, point. Yeah, it's, so it's, in some ways you can look at it as uh, uh, the, the ether is almost like the force in Star Wars, right? It's like mm. force in Star Wars, this, 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 this force that binds all things and that all things come out of and, yeah, yeah and, and that's that's not a random uh, compression because um, we all know Joseph Campbell was a consultant, right? And he was a myth that's right. uh, researcher. So so he took what's already out there in reality and yeah. put it into this fiction. So it's a, it's a fully tight uh, compression. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you look at, uh, like the Eastern traditions where they talk about the Akasha that, that has the Vinyana in it, which is the, the consciousness. It's, it's, it's no different than the idea of the force that is this, uh, you know, presence that contains within it this consciousness where you can know things. I mean, it's the same, 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 same idea. I mean, it was incorporated into, Star Wars, but you you find it in the Western traditions as well with the, the idea of the ether or the or the quintessence, which is the this consciousness source. That the, what what role does that have in alchemy? The the the, the ether. Yeah, the fifth element. It's, I mean, it's it's the ultimate transmuting agent, right? Because it's 
everything is within the ether. It's all within this field of consciousness. So just as you can change your thoughts, uh, you can change matter is the idea. (laughs) You know, I mean, Mm. you can transform matter I mean, from one state to another just as you can change your thoughts from one state to another because it's all it's all within the consciousness field of the creator so you can right. think of like the, 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 the ether is like the consciousness matrix of the mind of the creator and uh, out of that consciousness matrix comes all the elements which give birth to everything so Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you understand that matrix, you can you can change the elements around to change the thoughts of the creator in a sense, <laughs> you know. Or the you know the creator can change his thoughts and reorder creation. So yeah, we know you know as above, so below suggests a holographic principle, like fractals, like zooming in, then you see a repetition. It's not identical; it's a new constellation of the same principle. It's like a new picture using the same elements in the picture. So it's not like the identical images for every level, but new images by the same elements, yeah. building them up. Right. And I gave an example of that because I said that. Uh, senses would be equivalent to earth and then we zoomed in on the senses and we we got a taste and i said that was equivalent to water in earth if you like yeah that's right and we zoomed into taste and we got the four tastes that's right that i listed right and we can do that many fold i'll give another example of that i mentioned the greeks uh, talked about soma pneuma Psyche. Now, just to recap, psyche is the consciousness frequency. You you have the causal body, will. You have the mental body, thought. You have the feeling body. That you know, the mental body uh, contains thoughts. The feeling body contains emotions. And I also mentioned soma, by the way. I said that's a biological frequency. That's, I said it has an atomic structure, which is cardinal. It has a molecule structure, which which is, um, what you call it in English, um, steady. Yeah. You know, cardinal, mutable, and what's the one in the middle called? Fixed. Fixed. Yeah, so the molecule fixed, and then you have the cellular, which is mutable or flexible but then you can zoom in on pneuma which is the life force frequency which is interesting because that deals with energy so you, first you could say you have causal vitality yeah there you can say you have arrangement static vitality which is cohesion and dynamic vitality which is in english called uh, driving power Motive power, yeah, motive. driving force, motive. impetus, impetus. Yeah, motive. Yeah, right. And 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 it's interesting because the singular principle of fire is causal. It's initiating and it is uh, directing. Yeah. Air is dual, static, circulating and maintaining. Water is triagonal, dynamic, pulsating and exchanging. Earth is quadruple. Uh, manifesting, living, and receptive. Interesting. So, and uh, just to explain this, if it's very esoteric, people initiating or directing vitality is energy that streams up and down. Circulating, maintaining vitality is uh, what, which is um, adhering the, the body together. 
so circulating. Pulsating is exchanging vitality. That's interaction uh, within and without. And then you have the particular energy manifesting, which is expression. You can define it as matter. And and so you could you can zoom in and you can zoom out like this again and again and again. And you will notice, like the hologram, four principles repeating themselves again and again and again. That's just yeah, an example. Well, it, it, yeah? Shoot. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it, it, you, you reminded me when you started talking about mutable and fixed and all this. You know, you reminded me, too, of uh, something we haven't discussed, and that is the, the astrological systems of astrology in which... Let's hear uh, examples from astrology. Well, uh, you know, I was just going to point out that the, the course within astrology, there's uh, the 12 astrological signs. Each sign is, uh, you know, ruled by a different planet traditionally in in antiquity, but each sign is also uh, associated with a particular element. Mm. Uh, and uh, which which have an influence on the nature of that particular sign, and right. uh, so it's just another level of that classification, I guess, is, is all I was trying to. You know, for example, uh, I'm a Virgo, which mm. is, but they all they're all uh, point is that they are all divided according to these different natures. You know, some are more. Some are more water natures, some are more air natures, some are more... I mean, like, surprisingly, some of them, like uh, like Aquarius, you think of you think of being uh, maybe water, because you think of aqua with Aquarius, mm. but it's actually, a, it's actually an air sign. Yeah, that one is a tricky one. Yeah. Whereas Pisces, like Pisces for example, is, is water, because, you know, of course, fish... Uh, swim in water, you know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So, but, but that- you know, you you said something important. Uh, you said uh, earlier today. You said three. You gave an example of three times four, one of the Platonic solids, and that's that's astrology, because the twelve signs you pointed out now are each their element, which is four, right? Yeah. You can divide it into four. Yep. But then they have each their quality, which made that triggered this association, which is the fixed, the mutable, and the cardinal. So each of the sign is both divided into three qualities and four elements. Yeah, and that gives twelve the full cycle, like in every vibration: seven whole notes, five half notes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, just like a, a certain, you know, I was, I started, my mind started wandering on the, on the Greek, uh, some of the Greek god associations because they were, they were associated with the elements too. You know, I mean, like they had, uh, yeah. for example, Zeus was associated with like the fifth element, right. and Cronos uh, was associated with the the fire, and Hades was associated with air. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I t- take that back. Ares was associated with fire. Uh, Dionysus was associated with air. Cronos uh, was associated with water, and, and Hades was associated with earth. 
Well, who was with air again? Because uh, you, you, the sound got bad when you said that. Dionysus. Ah, Dionysus. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, you never completed the symbolist explanation. I think we went off on a tangent. Could you go back to that? You said that Earth was a down-pointing triangle. Yeah, yeah. Earth was a Earth was a was a down pointing triangle with a with a line through it. Right. So, yeah. And in Sanskrit, which uh, what do they call it there? Uh, what what do they call the the Terra? The oh, for Earth. Yeah. Um. So for. So yeah, so each of the each of the different elements had a different name, and in Sanskrit, uh, the, the word for Earth is is Prithvi, mm. and it's uh, you know they they have similar symbols. Uh, ironically, well, not ironically, maybe it's particularly closer to um, in, in a lot of the Buddhist. Depictions of Earth from both uh, a uh, both in the Sanskrit and the Tibetan, mm. it's usually depicted as a square, mm. and and of course that's in geometry. It's sometimes depicted material things are sometimes depicted as a square too, just because of that's where we get the term four corners of the Earth. Right. So you say Earth is a downwarding triangle with a line through it. That's interesting because a triangle is three, but you put another line, that's four. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Mm. So, so what's the other symbols? So like the, uh, you know, the, the symbol for water is, is just a downward facing triangle. And that's, uh, you find that... In uh, certainly the the alchemical, um, you know the the, the alchemical traditions, but uh, you also find that sometimes in the uh, the Eastern traditions as well. Yeah, give the names for the elements in the Eastern too. You said for Earth, but what's it, what is it for water? Uh, so in Sanskrit, the the word is is apas or 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 jai for for. For water, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in Hebrew, it's it would be like mayim, which probably has its roots in the Egyptian word mim, mm. which is re- also related to the Phoenician word mim for water. You know, there's kind of a pass on there. I mean, then if you move on to air. The symbol was. They, a, they, should, they should know the symbol now because you gave in two of them, and then they can just reverse it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, but tell just, them anyway. Well, so the so the uh, uh, air was a upward facing triangle with a line through it, and uh, again, a by, duality. And by the way, there's a lot of words too that that are associated with air that we don't think of as uh, any time. In fact, the word the word spear spirit. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see the word spirit in uh, Latin, it really related to to air, and that's why we have words like um, aspirant mm. or 
aspire, mm-hmm. or the Latin aspire, meaning to breathe. Um, that yeah, were, like in respiration. Mm-hmm. Respiration, right. You have expire, but, the final breath out. Expire, right. The final breath, yeah. So all these all these words with that spear root is uh, you know related to air and and this is why like for example in uh, uh, oftentimes with the the New Testament translations or they talk about spirit they're really talking about air. Mm. What's a Sanskrit word for air? The skin Sanskrit word for air is is vayu. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. So there's different types of vayu. I mean, and, uh, in, in some traditions, air, like in some of the Eastern traditions, air is represented by like a a half circle with the with the the curved part on the bottom, mm. and it's also called uh, like in the Tibetans' traditions is called yam or or haya. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it represents air, and then fire, which you know is the upward facing triangle. In Sanskrit, it was called agni. Mm. By the yeah, way, like in Agni Yoga, fire yoga. Yeah, Agni Yoga. That's actually the root of the Greek word ignis. Igna mm. igni comes from agni. Right. So it was the Sanskrit was passed on to the Greek, um, which is, you know, pretty cool. Most people don't, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they don't think about that. I mean, people in the, uh, particularly in the Western world, were taught these Greek roots to all these words. But a lot of the roots to those Greek words are actually Sanskrit. Yeah. So. And, and and what about the four processes in alchemy? I guess they can be divided into the four elements too, right? Yeah. So um, the uh, yeah. So the, the earth was associated with the raw element. Is that the same as prima materia? Yeah. Well, prima materia is like the. In some ways, that's the that's like the quintessence, right? Oh, okay. That's the ether, right? That, that it came out of, but that's a seed before before awakening, before the process begins. Yeah, I see, I see. exactly. All the potential is in there, just uh, mm. uh, it hasn't been perfected yet. Mm-hmm. So the raw elements for Earth, okay? Yeah, and then uh, then uh, digestion was associated with water and alchemy. Mm. Uh, and by the way, the way out of that in the Pythagorean schools, uh, this was associated with uh, the the area, you know, this area of uh, what would be known as the 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 hearers or the akasamatikoi, the the yeah, the listeners, mm-hmm. listeners, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, air was associated with the the mathematical the 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 elect and, and in alchemy in alchemy it was associated with distillation mm. 
And then fire was, uh, you know, calcination in, in, in alchemy. And it was, it was associated with the gnosis or the divine knowledge, the light, mm-hmm. the light of understanding. Right, right. And, and I, well, so, so one of the things that I think related to this that's also of interest is, uh, that I like to talk about is the, um, the symbol of Abraxas that's found in the Gnostic traditions. Mm-hmm. You know, Abraxas is this, uh, Abraxas was said to be one of the sons of Sophia, and Sophia was uh, the goddess of wisdom, and uh, she was said to have four children. Uh, three of the children were faith, hope, and charity, mm-hmm. and the other child was Abraxas. <laughs> and Abraxas was said to have, uh, he was this funny looking figure with snake legs, and he was wearing an apron around his abdomen, and he was holding a whip in his hand, and he had a rooster head. Yeah, he's really a weird uh, figure. I've seen seen him like a like a hybrid of yeah, different like, elements. <laughs> like a hybrid, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in it, but he really is his body. That part of the thing that that people don't realize is, is his body is is a symbolic representation of these these element states or the states of identification with the elements. So like. The snake legs represent Earth, right? Because the snake uh, crawls closest to Earth. Mm-hmm. So it represents the Earth-bound personality and identifying with the Earth. The apron around the waist, the abdomen, represents the first stage of initiation where we learn to subdue our passions and we learn to get our emotions under control and use them as an energy that we can use to transform ourselves in the world as opposed to be being swallowed up by them. The, the whip represented the mind and the air, things of the air, because the, the whip, you know, cracks in the air. Mm-hmm. And the rooster head uh, represents fire, and it represented the the calling out to light because that's what a rooster does when it sees the light of the new day it calls out to the sun right good point good point yeah so it's so the body of abraxas is actually depicting the stages of consciousness development um in order to to move through the elements move through identification of the elements so that we can, uh, you know, achieve these these greater levels of awareness and awakening, and uh, and become really truly self actualized to who we really are. Mm. I agree. This can be taken down to a very uh, tangible level because I'd say that, for example, uh, if you you know you need food to sustain the material body. That's earth. You need water, fluids to not dehydrate. That's water. You need breath, you pointed out, and you need sun. But that's physical. I'd say the spiritual equivalent is everybody needs creativity 
in order to thrive. It do, you don't have to be an artist or a musician. There's a million ways to be creative, but you have to express. If you don't express it, you will be dead inside. You have to have a way to express that creative, that God-like that's exactly right. Aspect, right? If if God created man in his image, it really means the creator created small creators. So we have to exercise that God spark in our daily lives to thrive. Then we need meaning. A meaningless life is again a, a kind of a death stasis. So that's air. You need meaning. But you also need love, which is obviously water. Yes. And I'd say you also need some kind of eros, er erotic. People who who never had that are not whole people. So I'm not saying live like a hedonist, but I'm saying (laughs) having the opportunity to bond physically with another human being is also very important to thrive. But you can even look at in the physical process itself. Uh, First, you exercise which is to destroy the, the resistance, to, to increase the system's ability to carry more force. Then you need nutrition, which is to provide the system with the four energy sources that will uh, strengthen the degree of the life force. Then you need rest yeah, yeah. to let the system be at peace so the transmuting processes can unfold. And then you need what I call balancing, which is to... Uh, use and direct energies constructively and intentionally. So you see, again, it's always this fourfold um, process. Yeah, that's uh, right. You know, will, thought, emotion, and sensation. Uh, or if you like, bioelectricity, gases, fluids, solids. Uh, it, it, and we didn't even mention this, and that this is a, a serious sin. <laughs> Uh, both of us know this and we should have mentioned it, uh, but that's the four kingdoms, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 sure. sure. Ma- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, what are the four kingdoms? Yeah, with, with the, the, the mineral kingdom, the, the vegetable kingdom, the, the animal kingdom. Are you talking about those kingdoms? Yes, absolutely. And the last one, fire, is man. Yeah, exactly. And that's what distinguishes us from animals. Some people think it's thoughts. No, no, no. Animals have thoughts. Anyone who has a dog or a cat can attest to that. And, you know, we've proven that horses can count even... the weirdest creatures can can do elemental, rudimental processes of thought. But the interesting thing here is that the, they say that the mineral kingdom is striving to become like the uh, vegetable kingdom. They're striving to interact with water. The vegetable kingdom is striving to interact uh, with the animal kingdom. They're striving to uh, become movable and, and develop air uh, thought. Now, the animal kingdom is striving to become like a man. And what distinguishes us? It's the creativity. Yes. Animals can think, but they don't have the ability to take something from which is not there and manifest it in existence. That's a truly divine ability. And that hints of the fifth kingdom, which is the divine kingdom, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Man is, yes, we can think, we can feel, we can move and sense, but we have to practice the what will eventually raise us to become Übermensch, uh, which is yeah. not in a, not in the Nazi sense, but in no, the no, no, <laughs> ancient no, sense, right? Self-actualized uh, sense, yeah. Yeah, and to use the angelic powers, or whatever you want to call it, to 
to create, to become gods. That's our destiny, not just being animals, but moving from, we come from the animal kingdom and we have to apply the divine element in us to become like God, to in his image or whatever you want to say, or, or like the ancient Greeks said, that well, uh, an awake man is a god among man. Yeah, and most tradition, almost all traditions would say that, I mean, that, that stage is... Is, is, is happens when you, you apply the creative aspect of the fire aspect of ourselves, uh, and, and, and you, you tap into that universal intelligence, that, that greater sea of consciousness that's associated with the ether, and you draw that, that consciousness down hmm. and are able to manifest it with your creativity exactly yeah very well put yeah. uh, oh i see you have um cool you have like the ayurveda aspect here too in the book i did yeah i tried to try to look at uh, both eastern and western uh you know aspects of it and uh I hey uh, we can't we can't leave this subject alone without touching or disclaiming the problem with uh, the East. I mean, not all of the East. I mean, Umani Padmahum. Isn't that also an example of the elements? Another example, yeah. I mean, it's another example of the, uh, I mean, the, the, the Buddhist four noble truths mm-hmm. of Buddhism are, are based on the four elements and the, uh, and the Umani Padmahum are, are divided, which is the, within the Tibetan prayer. Well, the, it's not just Tibetan. It's uh, you know you find it uh, throughout the East, but it's yeah. the the I, this these four uh, aspects of this prayer were each divided according to the elements, and in fact, uh, there's a the, when you do the prayer, you do the Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum, Om Mani Padme Hum. The last Hum is a Hum. When you complete it, and that hung itself, the very the very symbol of the of the the hung in the Tibetan is uh, the body of it is composed of the four elements with the fifth element, mm. with the idea that it all goes back into that that consciousness. So it's it's there too. It's in the it's in the same the same idea of the elements and the same alchemy is there within the Eastern traditions, but where things get a little weird is in the yeah. in some of the Chinese systems, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Daoism. Anti Daoism. That's always the big problem when people discover the elements. But I, I learned something different in Tai Chi or in right. acupuncture or whatever. Right. So right. have you solved the Taoistic problem? Oh, because yeah. it's I've tried yeah, to it's a mess. A little bit of it a, is. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't tie in exactly, but there are certain aspects that do tie in, and there's a. Uh, and I also tried to. Um, I definitely tied in the Tibetan stuff. Yeah, that's compatible. But I suspect that the five faces of the Taoists. Uh, and, and don't do this uh, beginner's error, people, to uh, automatically assume that Earth means Western Earth. 
right. water means Western oil. I think you have to analyze the contents to know yeah. if if these can be compared at all. I'm not sure. So I I just totally ignore what they call it. Yeah, I have to look at the function, right? Yeah, to find out which is which. Um, but even so, I'm having problem uh, finding harmony. But then again, I I'm not very well versed in Taoism, so. But I'm going to read what you say about it. Well, the the challenge here is on the, on the one hand, you know, the Taoist system has a lot of things that are identical to what we find in the Western world. I mean, they have similar ideas of the, the division of the bodies, sections of the bodies with the, which they call cauldrons that are uh, or bowls that that contain these vital forces. Mm. So there's certain things in the Taoist tradition, particularly related to the three cauldrons or bowls, but they're like three that are in the human body, uh, which are, uh, you know, the head, the chest, and the abdomen, and how you have to cultivate each of these, and uh, yeah. which are described exactly the same way we find within the, the Kabbalistic and in the uh, alchemical traditions of, of the Western world. Because they're very, very much similar to the Kabbalistic ideas, the the writings of Pappas, he talks extensively about this, and mm-hmm. uh, all these other systems ascribe elements to these uh, different areas, with the with the generative organs being kind of like the fourth cauldron, if you were going to have a fourth. So it's uh, there, they just don't call it by elemental names, but it correlates exactly, so... Yeah. Uh, they have other ideas like uh, alchemical ideas talking about uh, mercury and cinnabar that are identical and they have uh, even even the use of the mani which is uh, found in uh, also found in the Buddhist uh, Om Mani Padmi whom the mani is the precious white stone mm. of enlightenment and it's the same as the mana in the uh, western like the New Testament revelations and in uh, the Old Testament that Moses was able to extract but where it gets weird is they have a five element system that's based instead of being based on earth water air fire and ether they have a system regarding earth, water, wood, fire, and metal. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's uh, with the idea that each of these elements are a different nature and they all feed off of each other. Yeah, someone told me that uh, the clue to solving this is to disregard the titles, but just look at it not as elements, but as faces. And it, it, I'm not too into it, but apparently it has something to do with the internal way the body works, the system works, because they're very good at that. We know that from acupuncture. Yes. And by the way, two other similarities is that there was a Tai Chi or a Qigong, if you like, in ancient Egypt and ancient Greece which has died out by now. But uh, apparently there was some disciplines there. And if you look at the Taoist principles of harmon- uh, of balancing, it's the same as in the ancient Greek of harmonizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, 
And, and Buddhi- you, I, I say Pythagoreanism, Buddhism, and Taoism, I've said this many times in our shows, are pretty similar philosophies. Very much But so. then you have this problem of the five faces or the five elements. Yeah, they're more like, they're more like, uh, I heard it described that it's, it's the, describing how the motion of energy travels based on right. how one pulls the energy out of the other uh, in order to create new states of being. So right. instead of instead of them being uh, they're more like hallmarks of how energy manifests and and the They're symbols of themselves, so it's not like metal is like all metals are or a particular state. Mm. It's more like energy can behave in a metallic fashion. Mm. You know, mm. it's not instead of energy turning into water. It's more like energy can behave in a flowing fashion. Mm. Uh, Wood, you know, is, is a growing fashion. It's all, it's all, it's all, um, it doesn't correspond exactly, you know. No, but you know what? I wonder if there is a potential reconciliation because, um, Peter Lavenda, he published a book a couple of years ago, which is, was his life work. He's been working on that since he was a teenager. And that is cracking. It's basically, it's alchemy, but it's internal alchemy, bodily alchemy. And he's using Thomas Vaughan. Yes. And he's using ancient Chinese and Indian, both Ayurveda and Taoism. Yeah. And he, he is able to prove, to show that it's identical stuff. Yeah, he shows it even in picture. Yeah, it is. Uh, or yeah, it, or it you is. Re read the book or? No, but I'm, fam I'm familiar because I've studied okay. the texts of both. I mean, absolutely. Oh, right. I mean, there, there's a, there are ancient Chinese depictions of processes that are identical to what we find in uh, the Western alchemical tradition. Yeah. I mean, a good example that I like to use uh, that somewhat um, relates to our discussion today is actually uh, the, um, in the, in the Western tradition of alchemy, there's a, there's a depiction of a, of a figure that's known as the rebus. Mm -hmm. And the rebus is like a, it's like a hermaphrodite, right? That's that's part male and part female, and it, it represents the dualities that that come together in order to create this alchemical stone. And you know, there's been a number of uh, uh, you know it, it, this alchemical stone is all the elements come together with these with these these dual this dual nature. There's been a number of people who have tried to speculate on where does the term rebus come from? Mm -hmm. What's the origin of it? And, and you know, some say, oh, well, it, it may, because alchemy seems to be an alchemical science or uh, Egyptian science, it, it probably goes back to Ra and Bess. And and then that became rebus, you know. Ah, that, right, but, right. But I personally, I, I don't think that's necessarily the origin of it. I think the origin of it actually goes back to the Vedic tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, in the in the Vedic tradition, the 
the rebus were the the guards that 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 guarded the sacred nectar of more immortality that were uh so, so that were that was owned by indra so in the the, the vedic the sanskrit texts indra owned, had this sacred nectar of immortality and it was mm. it was guarded by these beings that were known as the rebus mm. and uh indra was the tim was the twin brother of agni the god agni who was the god of fire so you know contained within this allegory is uh the this idea of uh, so so agni's twin brother the god of fire's twin brother is indra mm-hmm. who who has this the secret elixir of immortality that's guarded by the rebus. And all of these motifs are found within the depictions of the rebus within the Western tradition as well, which leads me to believe that this is really coming from the the Vedic traditions. Yeah. Well, Peter, I don't think he said where it comes from per se, but he proved that uh, there was uh, even the formula was identical yeah. and I, I, I'll get his book uh, also and I'll see uh, study this he even found two pictures one from Thomas Warren and one from I think from Chinese yeah. uh, that just recently has been published because there's so much material in the East that hasn't been translated to yeah. Western yet but when he did that you could see step by step identical and that yeah. means that maybe we can crack this code of of which is which of the five. Yeah. But I, I think it's pretty interesting to, when I see in your book, when you deal with the fifth, again, the fifth can be the ether when it's in pr- a primordial state and quintessence when it's in a harmonized state. Uh, and, and you call it Akasha from the Indian. But if you look at the symbol you chose there, you actually chose the wheel, the Buddhist wheel, right? That's right. The That's eight, right. eightfold. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's the same symbol. Same symbol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's all. I mean, it ties in. I mean, the alchemy and uh, the Indian epics was called Rasayana, and it was uh, you know they described the exact same processes that we find in the the Eastern or in the Western traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, what what it suggests to me. I mean, you find the same the, the same operations in you know the, the the Eastern, the ancient Vedic, Sanskrit traditions. You find as in the Egyptian, which suggests both of these ancients and in the Chinese, ancient Chinese, which suggests that all of these ancient civilizations were passing on something. They were passing on the same information. And they were even using the same words for a lot of the the, the operations, which yeah. which means that they had inherited it. They had all inherited it, or they were all in a lot more communication with each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, historians tend to acknowledge, you know. Yeah. I mean, even even the story of Agni, who I mentioned, so so Agni means fire, but it was also a god of fire in mm-hmm. the Sanskrit uh, Vedic traditions. Uh, 
you know, he was sometimes associated as, as like a bird man who brought fire from the gods to humans. Um, in, in a very similar story way to the story of Prometheus. Yeah. Within the Greek traditions, you know, so it's a, uh, we're, we're seeing similar patterns and uh, describing similar processes using the same elements all over the ancient world, which suggests, again, that either there was a lot more communication between cultures than to give them credit, or they had all inherited something from a previous civilization. Or both. Or both. Yeah, or both. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and you touched something important there because uh, we have the language problem, but even within the language, we have the same problem repeating itself in terminology. Yeah. And that's where people get confused. <laughs> so again, this is symbolism, people. So there's no uh, avoiding it. If you want to understand reality, you have to go into its deep and deeper than words or symbols. That's the deepest language. That's the language of fire, if you That's like. Absolutely right. Yeah. And that will trigger your intuition. Words will trigger your understanding, but symbols will trigger your intuition. So That's correct. Yeah. We really recommend that, for example, if you get Timothy's book, where he outlines, like he's illustrated today, different aspects, different approaches, different traditions, pretty basic, broad uh, introduction, and, and that will help you in your further studies of these four principles, that you really just need one book, basically, to get them. And that's what the alchemists and mystics call Lieber N. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The book of nature. Yep. Yep, yep. Which both of us have read. <laughs> Look at the world. Yeah. I like the appendix to Libran. <laughs> yeah. Well, wonderful. Yeah. And if we were very mystical and esoteric today, I can re reconcile the more scientific minded that you even devote a chapter to. Uh, because science has also played with this thing and oh, yeah. and you mentioned Einstein, you mentioned Tesla, you mentioned Reich, all these people yeah. have yeah. explored it. So it's it's tangible, it's physical, it's not just a theory, it's something that's permeating everything. Yeah, that's right. Again, what we call ether or what the alchemists called ether or akasha is, is no different than what's now called the quantum field. They just renamed it. Mm. Right, but it's the right. same thing, <laughs> you know. So yeah. again, you... language, terminology, bubbles, ba tower—that's our curse. Yeah, you the way the way you name things is gives you permission to identify them with them certain ways, you know. I mean, yeah, and, uh, well put. And the way we put words, letters together to form words is spelling, which is uh, really related to you know creating a spell. In terms mm -hmm. of how we we do we do magic to to change our environment, right? Our identification with our environment. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that just goes to show that etymology is also an important field or approach in understanding. You you pointed it out with spirit, but you can spiritual, but you can do it with everything. 
That's right. Because it, it, when you and an interesting thing with etymology is you often find spiritual <laughs> notions at the root of most words. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, that's lovely. Uh, anything to add, or is it a wrap? I think that's pretty good. I mean, you could you could talk about this subject for for hours and hours and hours yeah. and hours. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. Once you once you understand the classification and the cataloging of everything and how it all goes back to these uh, four uh, states, it, it kind of opens your eyes more about the natures of things. Yeah. Once you understand the natures of things, then you can influence those natures to change your reality for for the better. So yeah. I agree. Okay, Tim, I think we, we've done a decent take today. I like our dynamics. Uh, I hope it will be received well by the audience. So, it's a lot of, lot of correspondences. Well, I think, I think people's, while they listen to it, I think their minds will be going all over the place, which is good. But the thing is, I have to find an enticing title because the title is very important. Yeah. Uh, to get it gives them a chance right to uh, you know they gave this a chance to listen so I, I'll, I'll ponder out a good title um, I, I would like to play on it like you did you know I like your title but I, I'll see if I find an approach that yeah can hey um, before you will you I let you go also let's name the book okay. uh, give us the title of the book sure. and what websites people should seek to find your stuff uh, so the book is called the elements of the elements and uh which is you know a, a play on this idea that uh yeah we go we, we take the elementary aspect of the elements literally and uh explore them to cultures within cultures around the world but the book's available anywhere books are sold uh certainly it's easy to get it through Amazon or uh, other book retailers. You can find it online. You can also, if you Google Timothy Hogan, uh, you'll be able to find a number of different, for Timothy Hogan author, you'll be able to find it at this book as well as several other books. Somewhere. Yeah, nice. Uh, do you have websites? Uh, well, I, not really. I mean, I have a Facebook page, and there's a Timothy Hogan author page website through Lulu.com. Yeah, okay. Well, they find out if they Google you, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. Okay, so anything about uh, the orders? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I am the grandmaster of several Templar lineages, and I run the Templar Collegia. Templar Collegia, yeah. And, and there you work with um, Elements too, right? Correct, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a school? It's a school and we, we explore the elements and we do uh, experiments with the elements and, you know, we, we try to understand them better so that we can utilize them in manifesting a positive uh, order within our world. Mm-hmm. Do you even work with alchemy there? We do, yeah, we do. Uh, both, nice. you, know, you know, spiritual, psychological, and physical lab alchemy. Mm. Yeah. yeah, because they don't exclude each other. Today, it's very popular to say to deny 
physical alchemy. Yeah, no, you know, no. for the for the sake of the others. But it's the same principle, just manifested in different kingdoms, right? That's right, and it's uh, alchemy is the precursor to chemistry. But the, you know, the difference is that the alchemists always viewed uh, matter as having consciousness behind it. And so, whereas the chemists just looked at it as dead matter, the alchemists looked at it as alive conscious matter. (laughs) And that's an important distinction, because if we we understand it as consciousness is behind it, then uh, it becomes a mirror for ourselves. Yeah, expressed in the term hylozoic, right? That's right. Yeah, I love visual of Costello. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think that's that's a wrap. Great. Okay. So uh, I'll thank you. Thank you so much. It's so good talking with you again. Yeah, really missed it. So come back later for another session. That sounds great. I look forward to it. Mm. And thank you for all that you're doing. That's really, you, you know, you're. Your things are so good. Your interviews are so good because they're so thoughtful and you're speaking from knowledge. So it's it's really good. Thanks a lot. What goes around comes around, right? So it will be all good. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. You take care of yourself. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Ciao. Bye-bye. So far today, if you enjoyed what you heard, do subscribe to our YouTube channel, or if you're listening in on a podcast, uh, subscribe to us there. Subscription is a very effective way to support us. It strengthens our position and makes a whole lot of possibilities that that only numbers can get us. And of course, share the shows with everyone you think could benefit from them or be interested in them. And in the future, we will be covering quote-unquote spiritual subjects, if you like, like probably uh, 25% of our shows. So more is in the pipeline. And if you subscribe to our website, you will get access to a lot of shows there that is unreleased so we probably have 20 or 25 unreleased shows we are supposed to have a buffer of five but a bottleneck for release is videos now i encourage you in the comment field under this video or this podcast file to come up with your own observations of the fourfoldness. There's a million that I have in my list that was not talked about today, so who knows, maybe some of those will be mentioned by one of you. So, go ahead folks, let's hear other examples of the fourfoldness. And the more you study them, the more you will understand their inert principles. Remember, one of the biggest clues is the polarity. I should say the double polarity. The polarity of the horizontal versus the polarity of the vertical. And the qualities 
whether you call it plus minus plus plus minus minus or minus plus you could also say uh, you could also use cold warm dry and wet in those stead and of course the basic of everything one two three four this fourness this fority will bring you far when you eventually merge with it now I'll read you some uh, more clues to the elements before bidding you adieu. So listen carefully because they are embedded into these adages. First, through vibration comes motion. Through motion comes color. Through color comes tone and this knower is to knowing just as knowing is to known that's verse knowing is to knower just as known is to knowing that's converse knowing is to known just as knower is to knowing. Invertando. Known is to knowing, just as knowing is to knower. Converse of the invertando. And then you have the so-called axiom of Maria, among Elsa precept in alchemy. One becomes two, two becomes three, and out of the third comes the one as the fourth. There is an alternate version like this. Out of the one comes two, out of two comes three, and from the third comes the one as the fourth. And this, God dwells in the stone, breathes in the plant, dreams in the animal, and awakens in man. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Al. Thanks again to my guest, Timothy and to our supporters and my team. Be seeing you. Who is number one?